0: look today in exodus and and if you want to turn there and and be there ahead of time it's exodus chapter three and a little bit of chapter four and we'll talk about moses just a bit but you know i I want to share just a a a little bit about faith for the next couple weeks and we started really last week when we said speak what you expect and and i think uh, i didn't get the cart before the horse because i really felt like that's what god had for us today but today i want to share believe what god says because you speak what you expect, and you have to expect what God says. You can't just go off half-cocked saying whatever you want just because. And I think there are a lot of people who've given the word of faith and the message of faith a bad name because they've gone off just saying whatever they think, whatever they want. whatever, And they go back to this scripture in Psalms 37 that says, But God will give me the desires of my heart. But I also know that his word says, and we said last week, that you have to ask according to his will for your life. And what I have found in my life, and maybe you have as well, is as I grow closer to him, my desires for my life and for, for, for me, they, they, they come into line with God's desires for me. And there's a whole lot of things in my life today that, that I don't want, that I used to want. And I don't know where the desire went. I don't know how it dissipated or disappeared. But it just just waned as I got closer and closer to him. But what he did in the place of those things was bring other things. Bring better things. And to encourage me and to lift up my faith so that I could believe him for the things that he was showing me. That as I did feed on his faithfulness, as I did sit at his feet, as I did get in his word, he began to, in my own world, as I meditated the word, as in my own world, I began to transform and I began to change. And I began to see his will in my life become perfect. His will become good his will, see, become excellent in my life. That's Romans 12 too, you know, that if we, if we meditate the word of God, as we, we roll that thing over in our head, as, as, we, as we renew our minds to the word, we'll be transformed so that we can in that moment and in that instant, see, in that time, in that place, after we've, after we've renewed our mind to his word, we can prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And it's that idea that says, I'm going to take what God has said, And I'm going to meditate on that as if it is true, because it is. I'm going to meditate on that rather than anything else. And then what comes out of your mouth are the things that you expect, and the things that you expect are the things that you believe, and the things that you believe are the things that he said. It's a pattern. And faith, it says, comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. It's in Romans 10, verse 17. A lot of people want to know, how does my faith grow how can i how can i how can i be a a man of great faith or a woman of great faith how can i step out how can i do? faith comes by hearing and hearing the word There's it, it, not extra places there's not extra ways faith grows in our life as we continue to act out and live in that revelation and word but i'm telling you it comes by hearing the word and faith in your life that growth begins by hearing god's word I've come to this level in my life, God. What is next for me? He begins to speak a new word to you. He begins to show you something different and show you something new. And I've had in my heart over these last bunch of weeks for some reason or months, just this thing that says, man, God, anoint our ears and eyes to see like we haven't heard and seen before. Great things, big things, better things, more things. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it is, but I do know that it's exciting. And, and, and I don't want to say that everything's cyclical, but there is there is a time for planting, and there is a time for reaping. And there is a time for God to plant a word, a vision, a dream in your heart, and there is a time to see that in fulfillment. And I believe that those things continue to be in process in your life, that you are reaping a harvest right now on the faith that you're standing in for that thing that he promised you last week, last month, last year, but you're also working toward and building the foundation of faith in your life for what is next month, next week, and next year. And it goes in this process. And I think sometimes we get to the point where we're like, you know what? I am done with the process. I can't, I can't do anymore. Yes, you can. Don't quit. It says in Galatians, don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't get weary faith. You know, if you've, you've known folks who maybe they've retired and said, you know what? I am just tired of this. I, I'm, I'm going to retire. I can't do anymore. And then they begin to waste away. And then you see other people who are, you know, 142 years old just tearing it up in their life. You think, well, what, what, what's the difference? Well, one stopped and one didn't. One continued to grow and one continued to advance. And, hey, that's a great... when you, If you're in retirement, if you're in that age, that's a great time to grow because now you have all the time in the world to focus on the things that God has put in your life to focus on to really make a difference in this world and change the lives of people who are around you. You now are at an age where you begin to have grandchildren and little ones and people around you. You're at an age now where people will listen to you just because you're old. Take advantage of that. There are lots of people who will sit and listen to you politely because you're older than them and they're supposed to listen to their elders. And so take advantage of that. When When they're in your presence, begin to pour out, the word, begin to pour out faith into their life. I'm telling you, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1. Without faith, Hebrews 11.6, it's impossible to please God. That that we have to have a foundation in our life of the word, because faith is based and founded on the word. Without it, we got nothing. And, and, and I, I said last week, speak what you expect. And I didn't mean to shortcut you or cut your legs out from under you. then come in here. But I, I want you to understand and know that you have to expect what God said. You have to expect what God said. What he's told you, what he's promised you in his word, of course. But you have to expect really what God has said to you and about you. Moses, in Exodus, if you go there in chapter 3. Moses, uh, he, he was an interesting guy. And uh, he had a great call in his life to do great things, and God began to show him some stuff, and I, I think, you know, again, I've said this a lot lately, we read the word and we see the beginning and the end at the same time. And so when we see Moses, you know, asking and questioning God about this plan and this purpose and call that he has for his life to lead these children out of, out of Egypt, sometimes we're like, man, get it together, dude, Come on. You, you do this. In the end, you actually, you know, you lead them out. You know, why are you questioning God? Well, we, we do a lot of the same things. The difference is we like to look at Moses and say, you should get your stuff together, buddy. You know, you are God's chosen. Well, so are you. And in this passage, in chapter 3, Moses has already been saved as a little baby, right? He's supposed to kill all the little ones, and they save him, put him in a basket, send him down the river. You've probably sang the song in, you know, children's church somewhere along the way. And and Pharaoh's daughter finds him, and then he chooses as he grows not to be part of Pharaoh's house, but to go out and be with his brethren. And then he ends up slaying the guy, killing somebody, and then he comes back out, and his brethren pitch him out, and they get all mad at him. And so in chapter 3, we finally, I mean, all that happened in chapter 3 chapter 2. The Bible goes through a lot of stuff in one chapter, but chapter 3, Moses now is is tending sheep for his father-in-law Jethro, and it says that he's on the back side there. It says, now Moses was tending the flock in verse 1 of Jethro's father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush, and so he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And then Moses said, I'll turn aside now, and I'll see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, God said to him from the midst of the bush, Moses, and he said, here I am, sir. And he said, do not draw near this place. Take off your sandals, for the place in which you stand is holy ground. And then he begins in the next few verses there to tell him, I I have heard the the cries of my children. I have heard heard the pleas. I understand that the children are in bondage in Egypt and I am going to come and I'm going to deliver them. And Moses says, great idea. And I think a lot of the time we're all for God doing a lot of stuff. And God, I'm telling you, take care of all of those orphans in the South Sudan at Dreamland Children Home. Pray for Pastor Stanley, Father, that he has strength and then God says, I want you to do this particular thing for them. I want you to pour this particular seed into that place. And you say, oh, God, pray for Pastor Stanley and all the rest of the people because that does not seem like something I could possibly do. That does not seem like something that is, uh, that is in my world of possibility even, even close. I mean, gravity is not even pulling that now closer to me. That is getting farther and farther away from what I think I can do. Send somebody else. Hey, I'm all for your plan. We should say, use me. We should say, send me. We should say, God, how about me? But instead we say, oh, God, send someone. Oh, God, send somebody. Use somebody to make a difference. And Moses was all for the plan. And then in verse 10, it says, come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses immediately says who am i that you would send me to do this and it, earlier in the beginning of this i said you know i the thoughts and ideas you know that come to us now with our eyes anointed and our ears anointed to hear and see like we never have god's going to to show us new things and they're going to they're going to to be like this, like, you know what? I am going to deliver this country from the immorality that it finds itself in, and I'm going to send you to lead it. Praise God. Everybody got real quiet, hoping God wouldn't point the finger at them. See, praise God. That's awesome. Hey, I'm all about that. But we say, like Moses does many times, why me? I, I say it all the time. Corey encourages me. He asks me to, you know, come on, man, you, you said this is in your heart. You say you want to do this. You say you want to, come on, you need to do this. And I say, you know what? I've, it comes, it's come right out of my mouth. Who am I to say, any, who am I to do that? Who am I to say that? Who am I, why would they, why would anybody listen to me? I mean, these are all things that I've, that I've said, you know, sitting in, in meetings with him and things like that. And I have to get, I, get I have to get past that Moses complex because Moses said to God, who in the world am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and lead these people. Do you not realize, God, that I have murdered a guy, that my past is back there? Like when I go back to that place, I mean, I, who knows what could happen to me? I, I'm considered a murderer there. Do you not know, God, that my own people, all my brethren, have pitched me out of the place? That they got mad at me because I, I killed the guy, and then I came out to try to help them? Do you know the story? And they I mean, do you not realize? Yes, do you think God doesn't know? Do we think God doesn't understand? Do we think God doesn't realize that we have a past, but realize that Jesus died on the cross for us to take care of that past? In this particular case in the Old Testament, he hadn't come yet. So God has has to take care of that himself through the sacrifices and through all those kind of things. God looks past that thing. But now when we get into the New Testament and we are saved and delivered by the blood of Christ, I'm telling you, he doesn't have to look past anything. It's not there. When you come to God and say, God, I ask your forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive us, and that thing goes away. And Moses begins to get on board here in verse 12. And he said, uh, in verse 11, Moses said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? In verse 12 said, and God said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign that, that I have sent you. When you have been brought out, you'll serve God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, indeed, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say? He begins to say, when I go to them, not just the children of Israel, but God specifically says, go to the leaders and tell them all these plans and what we're going to do. And he says, when I go, who should I tell them? Who, sh- who should I tell them sent me? A burning bush? What do I have? And he said, tell them that I am sent you. And he said, well, okay, what is, what is I am? I am is everything that you have need of. Now, yesterday, tomorrow, the all-sufficient one, more than enough, I am. That's all you need. And Moses gets a little freaked out as God then begins to explain to him how he's supposed to talk to these leaders. And in in chapter 14 and verse 1, he begins to talk to God and he says, but suppose they do not believe me or listen to my voice. See, these things that come to us by the Spirit of God are larger, bigger, and greater than we are. And for, us, for some of us, it may you may just be saved. You may be here today and not be saved. That may be your first step of faith for all of us, really. Our first step of faith is to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Ephesians 2.8 says that we cannot be saved without grace and without faith. It says, I am saved by grace through faith. So that is my first step into faith is to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Maybe the next thing for you is healing. Maybe the next thing for you is about your relationships. Maybe the next great frontier for you spiritually and faith-wise in your life are your finances. I I don't know what it is for you. But I do know there's something out there that God has for you, a new idea, thought, or revelation that will blow your mind because the last four of them did too. And what we forget when God begins to speak something to us that kind of freaks us out or kind of blows our mind, what we forget is the fact that that we have already heard those different things before and we've come through them and God's come through. See, God is faithful to his word. And as he promised you six years ago, you thought it was just as crazy as what he's promising you now. You've already walked that out. Maybe you're here today and, and it was something like your finances, and it was tithing. And you said, You know what? I don't think that could ever do that, God. And, you, and he said, I'm just telling you, trust me. Like in Malachi chapter 3, trust me that I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. And you began to trust him. You began to believe him. You began to speak that you had more than enough financial in your life as you stepped into that particular thing. And now you've increased that giving over time, piece by piece and and part by part and dollar by dollar. And now the 10% doesn't seem like a whole lot of a big deal. That's what you do. See, but four years ago, it was, the, it was the biggest, craziest idea that you had ever heard. See, Moses now is in this next place where he has this revolutionary thought that says, hey, listen, God's speaking. I want to use you to bring my children out of Egypt. ho, oh, holy smokes. Get it together, God. I think sometimes we have talked, we've tried to talk God out of big things in our life because we didn't see how they could happen. We've, we've tried to say, okay, God, I understand you want abundance, but I'll just take semi-abundance because really that's all, rationally, that's all I can put together. And we settle. We get faith-weary, we settle, we say, you know what? I Hey, thank goodness Moses just continued to knock on Pharaoh's door because he got shut down over time after time after time. He had a revolutionary thought that was brand new, an idea that God was putting on the inside of him to lead these children out of Egypt. He even said, throw your stick on the ground, it became a snake. Whoa, pick your snake up, it became a stick. Whoa, I mean, like, the power of God is with you, my man. You need to go, and you need to do this. And so he began to wrap his mind around this new revolutionary idea and thought. And he began to go to Pharaoh. I'm sure the first time a little trembling. I don't, you know. And then the second time, God comes through big plague. Third time, says no, God comes through big plague. Fourth time, Pharaoh says no, God comes through big plague. I'm sure by the fifth or sixth time, he probably just come in and said, it's me again. Listen, let my people go. No, I, are you sure? I'm telling you. Look, you've had lice, locusts, the whole deal. Okay, you got red water. What, what do you want? I'm just telling you. What's it gonna? I mean, hey, this isn't me. This is God. You're messing. You're not messing with me. You're messing with God. I'm just His mouthpiece right now. I'm just His spokesperson. I'm just coming you to to say, look, you got to let us go. We want to go worship our God out there. Nope, not gonna do it. All right, it's on you. I mean, you know, he began to become more confident. He began to become all of a, see, when you begin to hold on and begin to now meditate that word, begin to renew your mind, begin to take in this thing that God spoke to you, you begin to act in it, you begin to speak it and live it, and then all of a sudden it begins to grow on the inside of you. And you don't become larger than life, but by faith, I'm telling you, on the inside, you become larger than the thing that you face. It says in the word of God that we overcome because he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And you have to know that and understand that and you have to believe that. That's not something that you just make up. It's not something that's just for the pastor. It's not something that says, okay, when you've been saved for five years, when you've been saved for 10 years, what's on the inside of you is bigger than what's in the world. Nope. When you've been saved for five seconds, the power of God that lives on the inside of you is greater than the thing that you face. The problem is you haven't had time in five seconds to renew your mind to that idea and that thought. You haven't had the time in five seconds to renew your mind to that truth of the word of God that says, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. But over five minutes, over five days, over five months, you begin to pour yourself into the word and faith comes by the word. Now, all of a sudden, you begin to believe that. And now you're like Moses and you're speaking to the enemy and you're speaking that he's bound and that he has no way to operate in your life. They has to take his hands off of your children, take his hands off of your finances, your health and your relationships, take his hands off of your job, take his hands off the people who you're coming in contact with to bind him in Jesus name, begin to loose the power of God. Whoa, where did all that come from? Faith is growing on the inside of you because you're renewing your mind to these new revolutionary concepts. And it begins to grow on the inside of you. It's like Moses going to Pharaoh time after time after time. Well, I believed that once, but then it never happened. Hey, hey, don't stop believing. Journey was right. I mean, you got to love rock and roll. Every now and then, man, they get it. You know, they're they're right on, you know? Don't, you can't, what's on the other side of that? It's like what I said earlier. You'll dry up. But it has to be based. Your faith has to be founded on the word. It has to be what God said. What's written down in here and what he's speaking to you by the Holy Spirit. That's why I just, I had this thing on the inside of me, eyes to see and ears to hear. The other side of that prayer, and I just prayed this with a, a person the other day. I, I, I prayed, that God, I, I thank you that, that this prayer particular person hears and sees what you're saying and showing them in a way in which they understand because the question the number of people come and say how do i hear i can't hear from god i don't know what he's showing me i don't know what he's telling me you say that i have to speak these things that are based and founded on the word of god and what he's but i'm not sure what he's telling me Sometimes we've wandered off into the whatever, and you know one of the first questions is, what's the last thing you heard? What's the last thing he showed you? Did you do that? No. Well, then he's probably not going to tell you anything new. But it, on the other side of that thing, when you're just beginning and walking in this thing, it's like, how do I hear? How do I know? How do I understand? You begin to humble yourself and yield yourself and dig in the word and pour out time and get close to him. Know the source, right, from Wednesday night. That's what we talked about. Not knowing that he's the source, but get to know him. And the more you get to know him, the more intimate your relationship with God, I'm telling you, I promise, the easier it is to hear him and to know what he's saying and what he's showing you. But if you're not close to him, if you don't know him that way, if you haven't drawn nigh to him in that particular way, you don't. There's got to be an intimacy between you and God. It can't be, my mom told me, this pastor told me, this guy on TV said. It has to be, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Why do we teach the word? See, we don't teach the word so that we can take up a half hour of our time. We don't teach the word so that we have something tricky and clever to say. We teach the word because for us as believers, we need to hear the word because faith grows in that place. You've heard this word 97 times probably 97,000 times if you've been around for a while. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. But how many of you know, sometimes it's just brand new. Like this this revelation that I had that says, man, if I transform my mind to his word and what he's shown and promised me, My life has changed, and all of a sudden, what I think I need to do, what I desire, the things that are of the flesh of me are starting to wane and go away, but the spirit side of me is starting to grow, and I'm starting to grasp hold of his will for my life. Whoa! Well, that's what the Scripture says. It says that as you do that, things begin to change. You begin to change. You are completely transformed and different. Most of you are not the same person you were last year. Most of you have changed. A lot of you over a period of years aren't necessarily recognized by the people you used to hang around. Not because you've cut your hair, but because you've allowed the word to change your life that Moses went from being a murderer on the back side of the desert here, tending a few sheep to the guy who stands in front of the Red Sea with his arms like this, with his rod in his hand, and seeing that thing move. With a million people standing there behind him, coming across the Red Sea with no way in front and no way behind and saying, God, what do we do? Lift your hands toward the sky, lifts his hands, and boom, that thing parts. I'm telling you, that's a different guy than who was standing back there with the sheep going, God, why would you pick me? See, he goes from from being this person who, who says, oh my gosh, what's going on with this fire? I'm a little intimidated and I don't quite understand. And it's, man, this is such a big deal. To the guy who comes before God through this period of time with the children of Israel and pleads for them and tells God, no, don't kill them. Don't take them out. See, he's gone from this guy who says, oh, man, why would you even pick me? To the guy who can now stand with God and say, come on, give them another chance. Don't you remember? These were the ones you loved. These were the ones that you brought out. These were the ones who came from all the places. I know they're stubborn. I know they're stiff-necked. I know they act crazy. But these are the ones you love, sir. Don't forget them. Come on, don't forsake them now. Come on, give us another chance. That's a, that's a different personality. There's a change that took place in his life, and it didn't happen overnight. He had to change the way he began to think about himself, about his life. It changed who he was, and really, he did lead a revolution. A whole group of people wandered out of, the, out of the Egypt into the wilderness on the way to the promised land. Isn't that what God said? It has to be founded. It has to be based on what God said. And the promise that these people had in their life up to that point was that God was going to take them into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. They didn't all have a whole lot. I mean, that was, that was like, that, that, was the, that was the major promise up until that time. God picked Moses to be the guy to lead them that direction. And then in Joshua chapter 1, he talks to that young boy and young man and says, hey, listen, pal. Moses is dead now. Now it's your shot. Now it's your time to take these people across that water to what? The promised land. See, the land flowing with milk and honey. God doesn't change the story. He doesn't change where he's taken you. He doesn't change what he promised you. Even though... Many times I think we go sideways, somehow God rearranges it and gets us right back on track. But you got to know what God said. you got to know what you believe. You have to renew your mind to this thing. Proverbs 23, 7 is a scripture that we all know. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We need to tattoo, i I, I to tattoo that on me somewhere. I'll tattoo, tat- no, I won't, I won't, I won't. Look at you. <laughs> I'll pick a better one than that, sorry. But uh, I mean, that's a good one, but uh, you know, I mean, where would you put that that I could read it all the time? But like, I, you got to put it like on the mirror, put it on your car, put it on your desk, put it out everywhere you look. Why? Because your mind wanders. Your mind wanders left and right and up and down you figured out 4700 ways it isn't gonna work you are creative stop saying you're not you're just creative in the wrong way as a man thinks in his heart so is he in ephesians you can write this down we don't have to read it right now but in chapter 4 17 through 24 It says that we as new creatures in Christ, we need to put on the new man and the new mind and not be like the old Gentiles and walk like they walk in the futility and the darkness of their thinking. Enlighten yourself. A great awakening and a great enlightening, not just in a building that's the church, in you as a person who makes up the church of Jesus Christ in this earth today. And if you're here and you've been saved like five minutes this is, I mean, you know but if you're here and you've been saved five months and five years and five, hey, I'm telling you stir it up stir it up more than enough, it's not just a financial thing, more than enough doesn't just mean that you're going to have finances that flow in your life In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I know it says that he who gives sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And then it says God loves a cheerful giver, and then he goes into this passage that says, hey, you're going to have sufficiency in all things, and that you'll always have an abundance for every good work. And we tie that many times mentally just to the financial side of our life. I'm telling you, it's for the physical side of your life, it's for the mental side of your life, it's for the supply in your life, for the things that you need, for you and yours in your house, and for those who come across your path. I believe it. That there's an overflow. If we'll just be in this place and say, God, you know what? Hey, I'm telling you, that's kind of like your whole thing, right? Just just pour out enough in our lives that we can pour it out on the people who are around us. We're not looking to hoard it up. We're not looking to bring it in. We're not looking to build bigger barns and bigger things for our own selves. Father, we just want you to do in this earth what you said you would do. See, all along you would say that Jesus is going to come in this next period, in this next age, in this next time. You promised us in your word. And then you sent us out into this word that said hey go out and share the gospel with every creature that you make disciples that you bring people into the kingdom and you even said Jesus that lo I will be with you always even to the end of this age so I am not alone in this place or in this thing that you've called me to you're with me like you were with Moses you're with me like you were with Abraham and it took Abraham all of those years to have Isaac but God you were faithful in your word and I'm telling you Moses he didn't get to go into the promised land with the children but you brought him into the promised land when you brought him down and transfigured him on the mount with Jesus, and you will fulfill your word and we don't know how and we don't know when and we don't know where but God, we thank you that the faith on the inside of us rises up to a new level and to a new place that we won't take disappointment after disappointment and fall by the wayside that we won't have ants in the head the automatic negative thinking syndrome that says everything that comes my way I take the negative side that you go I'm telling you I'm, I'm excited about it But listen I can't drag you with me I don't want to drag you with me I don't want you to be oppressed And all shut up I'm no Moses But I'm telling you God's got a promised land for you And I'm not going to be out there With some stick Holding it up in the water Parting But I'm going to be encouraging you Along the way that says I am telling you what You can do what God said Just believe it Just believe it with all your heart. Don't give up. Don't quit. You keep speaking that thing that you expect that he showed you that you saw. And I'm telling you what, you're gonna see it. Amen. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. I want to pray for you today. I say this all the time a seed of opportunity will never take it will never take hold. It will never take root in a field of doubt. You it won't happen. And this is the other example that's always stuck with me. I, Crystal Vanderplatz told me this years ago when I was trying to learn how to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> Some of you laughed because you know I had a little, I had a little, little, little accident in, at school in front of all the security cameras. They made a de- yes, still on tape. Yes, it is. I know. Thank you, Lance. Yes, they've made a DVD for me of the entire process from all the different angles. It's really nice. I wasn't good at it, so I don't ride motorcycles anymore. But here's what she told me. She said, when you you turn a motorcycle in a turn, the mistake that we make is we look right where we are. And we try to guide the bike where we want it to go. And they teach in motorcycle driving school, or whatever that might be. They teach you to look past, to look ahead, to look past the curve. And your eyeballs, your brain, your hands, your arms, all of your muscles, if you look there, your arms, muscles, and everything else will get you there. But if you look right where you are, you have no hope and no chance because that's all you're focused on. But if you look out here to where you're going, the rest of you comes into a line and takes you there. Look ahead. You have to live where you are today. You have to be who He called you to be today. But you've got to look ahead. You've got to get your hopes up. Faith can't be based uh, uh, if you. Don't, faith is the substance of things hoped for. You have to get your hopes up. You you got you got to believe that it's
1: possible again. We hope this message encouraged you. Victory Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God I ask You to reveal Yourself to me. I want to know You. I ask You to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with You. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow You from this point forward. I accept Your love through Jesus and I commit to trust Your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at VictoryLafayette.org.